Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. In Genesis chapter 1, God pronounces his six days of creation were very good. But in chapter 3, the crowning act of the creation, the first two humans, Adam and Eve, disobey God and the curse of sin enters the world. They are cast out of Eden. Chapter 4 has the tragedy of Cain killing Abel and Cain's offspring separating themselves from God. Chapter 5 outlines the chronology from Adam down to a man called Noah. In chapter 6, God declares his creation is no longer very good, but continually evil. Today, we're going to discuss the role of Noah as God deals with the prevailing evil by a global flood. On our panel today, we have Morgan Vincent and Gail Fong. Welcome. Before we discuss our program now, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, today we're going to discuss the important story of Noah and the global flood. We ask for the Holy Spirit to guide our discussion and may the Holy Spirit bless the viewers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start by reading... A text. The text is Matthew 24 and verse 37. It says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Morgan, why are these words so profoundly significant for us today? Mm. I think the first point, Rod, is that Jesus is speaking. And so whenever he speaks, it's, you know, worthy of us to, to take notice. But he's really giving an important uh, connection to the condition of the world today and that's the days we're living in right but also secondly is that uh, because of today's prevailing worldview of, of evolution here Jesus is giving us a, a reference back to Genesis of, of a factual account of history of not just the creation of the world but also the flood as well and so here it's showing that there is a sense of trustworthiness to the book of Genesis which would be worthy for us to, to read today. And as, as we're Christians, we have to follow mm. the words of our, our master, which yes. is Jesus. And yes, we have to trust the historical truth of Genesis. Gail, we're talking about Noah. Tell us who Noah was. Well, Noah was the 10th generation from creation, and he was from the line of Seth. And as you said in the introduction, his ancestry is there in uh, Genesis chapter 5. Uh, we find that before pre-flood, um, man had much greater longevity and Noah was 480 years of age, married but childless when God spoke to him and told him that there was going to be a universal flood because of the great wickedness that was in men's hearts. And God also spoke to him and told him to build a massive boat to preserve life. And for 120 years, Noah was God's prophet and he was warning the world of the impending doom whilst he built the ark. Mm. Yes, interesting, the impending doom, as you said. Mm. I just want to head back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, the, the Hebrew word tov seven times is translated as good. And that word means an efficiency of function. It also means uh, pleasant and attractive. 
um, on the end of the sixth day, it wasn't just good, it was very good. Mm. So creation was perfect in form and function and aesthetically beautiful. We can only imagine what it was like. But let's come down to Noah's time. So Morgan, what were the conditions like at the time of Noah? Mm, it's, it's a great question. And, and even though we're reading just a few, we're only a few chapters you know, beyond the creation, there's so much in here. And in chapter five, it provides the, the generations from Adam to the time of Noah, uh, a period of roughly 1500 years from the time of creation. But I'll read in Genesis chapter six and I'll read in verses one to three. And, and it says here, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they had chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. And here we see that now there's kind of these two lines of humanity. There's, there's the sons of God, and now there's the sons of men. And that's an interesting distinction because it's only in the creation that, you know, children were made in the image of God. But here it's worthy to note the phrase they took for themselves or they took these wives. It's, it's almost as though, you know, going back to Genesis 1 and 2, you know, God brought the woman to the man. But now, like, now we see that it's no longer God who is in the position of authority. But now man is saying, move aside, God, I'm going to be the one that that takes and does what I, I please. And so this also is a state that God is referring to that, that the world would be like, um, where, you know, God isn't number one, God isn't uh, in, in the minds of people. But also we see that, um, you know, there's the plurality of the word wives. Uh, there's, there's the suggestion of, you know, polygamy and, uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, immorality is going on. And and here it's just, you know, we go on and, and as we're going to see that wickedness it's a continual thing in people's minds. And, and sometimes we may, we, we may not even be able to understand what that looks like. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a scary state that the world was in at that time. Yes. Mm. I'm just adding on to that uh, in chapter 6 there and reading verse 5 and verse 11, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. And then verse 11, The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So uh, it wasn't the conditions on the earth. It wasn't just the occasional um, evil deeds, but there was this continual habit of, mm. of great wickedness. And God could see in their hearts that there was actually no thought of him at all. Uh, and as God saw their hearts and there was no thought of God in their hearts, they were basically, they'd just become so perverse really mm. in their thinking that they were a law unto themselves mm. and put themselves in place of God. So humanity had reached a place of no return. Yeah, it's difficult to get our minds around, but mm. then when you see what's happening in our world today, mm. sometimes it's not so difficult. Mm. Yeah. Just uh, going on that, some people in the old, some people think of the God of the Old Testament as being stern, harsh, judgmental, vindictive, and the God of the New Testament, Jesus Christ, being loving mm -hmm. and merciful and forgiving, gracious. What picture do we get from Genesis chapter 6, Gail, back to you, Gail, um, of God? 
Well, just reading there in Genesis 6 and verse 6, it says, And the Lord was sorry that he'd made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Bible tells us that God was grieved, or basically his heart was broken. And to grieve is the opposite of joy and refers to uh, mental pain. So for God to be experiencing grief meant that he'd truly had to love humanity. And as the verse says, it doesn't say that God mm. was angry, but as uh, many Bible um, interpretations put, they, they put that God was, um, he was sorry that he'd made man. And the word, uh, which comes from the word sorrowful, which implies grace and love for humanity. And as Morgan put before there in verse three, God gave 120 years mm. extra probationary time for men to consider their ways, even though he could see their hearts were totally wicked. So I think here we see the characteristic of Jesus as the same as we see in the New Testament and that of love and grace. Mm. Isn't it amazing when you look for these things, they're there. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Mm. It is, thank you. Moving on, I'm just going to read Genesis um, chapter 6 and verse 8. And it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the first time the word grace is used in the Bible. Mm. And it's referring to Noah and grace meaning acceptance or favour. Um, Morgan, question to you. Why was Noah given grace from God? Mm. Well, I'll read the next text and, and it'll really help us explain it, uh, Rod. And so verse 9 says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Here it's, you know, it's a tremendous description of Noah, you know, someone who was just and perfect and, and someone who walked with God. And, and three things stand out from this text. The first one is that, that he was a just man, meaning that Noah you know, intended no evil or, or unlawful deeds, right? Uh, he was very aware of God's requirements and, and sought to do those, even in the midst of a violent and immoral world. The second point is that he was perfect in his generations. Uh, in other words, you know, he was sound, he was wholesome, he was a complete man, or we could even say he was secure of who he was as a child of God. And the third point is that he walked with God. In other words, he loved God or, you know, the idea of, you know, walking is that every step he would take was, was in harmony with, with God's will for his life. And all of this was because he found grace in the eyes of God. God's posture toward Noah was one of grace which is something powerful. Amen. Very powerful. Yeah. Thank you for that. I just want to read another text now, moving down to verse 13, and it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Mm. It's interesting that God's remedy for this continual problem is to destroy everything. And... Um, it is given grace to mm. Noah. So, Gail, question to you. Noah's been given grace. Did What work did God give Noah to do at this time? 
Well, he had a big job <laughs> just reading on um, chapter 6 and verse 14 to 18. It's, uh, God says, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it uh, to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it lower with, sorry, you shall make it with lower second and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. So mm. Noah's task was to build this massive ark mm. and the dimensions are quite phenomenal. Um, so the length uh, over 137 metres in length, approximately 22 metres wide and approximately 13 metres high with three decks and a door in the side. So I haven't done this math, but I believe <laughs> you did do this, Rod. And uh, it came out to, we could imagine 582 40 foot sea containers was the volume inside the ark. Mm. Uh, so Noah had a huge task to do and to build this vessel even by today's standard would have been a massive vessel to build. Mm. So this was going to be the home for Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. And of course, all the creatures that God wanted to bring inside the ark. Mm. Mm. And I'm assuming Noah hadn't built one before. So all a learning curve for Noah. Mm. Yes. Now you mentioned, mentioned that text, it mentioned a covenant and um, God's making a covenant with uh, Noah. Describe that covenant for us, Morgan. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll read Rod from verses 18 to 20. So still in chapter six. And it says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, uh, you shall bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. And I'll read verse 22 of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto you to keep them alive. And so this covenant, I guess initially it's it's not just to do with humans, but it's to do with you know all of God's creation here. Mm. And it's a covenant where God wants to, well, preserve life. But here we see as well, it's, it's to build this ark. And as a part of that, it was for his family to come on board. So God saw uh, that this family would be on this ark. And with this family, he would establish this covenant. And with that, it was to also be a covenant of life. Mm, covenant of life. Yes. Interesting, isn't it? Well, it took 120 years to build the ark. And the ark was eventually completed. And then we move into Genesis chapter 7. God had one last thing to prick the consciences of all the people. Mm. What was that, Gail? Well, just reading from the scriptures first in verse um, chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, and also verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. 
You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal and a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. And then reading eight and nine, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. So the animals started coming and they came in a very orderly fashion. As the Bible tells us, they came in by twos and uh, twos or by sevens, seven pairs, according to their kind. So you had the wild animals, you had the domestic animals, you had the birds flying in sevens, you had the creepy crawly creatures coming in as well. But the amazing thing, this, this is not normal. And uh, it would have been quite a spectacular event to witness. Mm. And yet, despite seeing the order the, uh, of the animals coming into the ark, it did not seem to awaken in their mm. minds that this, this was certainly a, a miracle. Mm. There was no scientific explanation for it. Uh, and ironically, the animals are obeying the call of God, whereas humanity, impenitent, did not. That, that's quite, quite an ironic thing, isn't it? Mm. That the animals obey and people wouldn't. Morgan, um, God had one final test for Noah and his family too, didn't he? Mm, he did. And, and I'll read in, in Genesis 7, verses 4, and then verse 10. And it says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days, and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. In verse 10, and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. You know, you've been saying, like imagine this, for, for 120 years you've been saying this worldwide flood is going to come, and then you're in the ark, and it still hasn't been raining, and you're waiting for a whole seven-day period I mean, you could just imagine the millions, if not billions of people outside the ark and surrounding, <laughs> mocking, laughing, jesting, right? Mm. But then here, you're just one of eight people, you know, that are inside this ark, which is now full of, of animals of all living kinds. And so this really, as they're waiting for this, this seven day period, it's a test of faith. Mm. It's a test of perseverance. Yes. Yeah. Well, it did start to rain right on cue, mm. but something else happened too. God, what actually happened apart from the rain? Well, in verse um, 11, the Bible says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month and the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So on that day it began to rain mm. and the rain was in torrents from above and it came up from under the ground. So this is amazing. There was obviously immense aquifers in the earth and the water was released with great pressure that came to the surface. The surface was broken up and submerged. So the physical world before the flood was completely destroyed and all humanity outside of the ark and any living creature outside of the ark also was mm. destroyed or finished. That's, that's an interesting point, the physical destruction. Morgan, question to you on that. Why would God 
want to also mm. physically, it's one thing to kill all the people mm. because they're continually evil. Why would he want to destroy and break up the, the world mm. as they knew it? God, he, it's almost like he's, hit, he's hitting a bit of a reset button. And, and so by, you know, God now going to, in, in time to come, you know, to recreate the world and to repopulate it with those who have been on the ark, God also is removing the memory of the previous world. And I think that's a critical thing because we, we've seen already that the minds of the people were continually evil and God is going to do a work to, to kind of erase that memory of, yeah. of that old world. Mm. So, Gail, there's a parallel for us today too. Can you explain that parallel to us? How do you yes. see that? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So just like God destroyed the old world of sin, and, and likewise, when we accept Christ, that old man of sin is destroyed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we uh, walk as new creatures in Christ. But unfortunately, it is a daily walk, so we have mm. to allow God to do that work in us each day to subdue that old sinful nature. And we leave desires. it all behind and walk yes. in the newness of life. Mm. Yeah, yes. very, very powerful. Thank you. just want to read... Um, Chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with, it, with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters were assuaged. Uh, Morgan, what does it mean God remembered Noah? Mm. It's, it's amazing here to think that even though he's been on this ark, that he's not forgotten. And, and there's great uh, comfort for us today that God is a God who remembers but I'll read verses two and three and it says, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the water was abated. And so God, he remembers his covenant that he's made with Noah and, and that was to preserve life. And now the waters have stopped. They're starting to recede. And we almost see a glimpse that, okay, life is now going to kind of restart again, if you will. And that, that's a pretty incredible picture to, to see that as they're leaving this ark now. Well, just on the, the ark itself, when we think of Noah's flood, the average person would think of, oh, 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Some who've got more, I guess, uh, Bible knowledge might think of the, the 150 days. But Gail, how long were they on the actual ark itself? Mm. It's quite revealing, really, what the Bible says when you follow the thread through uh, reading <clears throat> as you read in Genesis 7. So it was on the 10th day of the second month of Noah's 600th year that they entered the ark. Then, of course, it was a week before the rain came. Then when you move to chapter 8, it tells us that the ark settled in the mountains of Ararat. But then there's still another seven and a half months that you add on to that before the ground is dry. But you come down in that chapter and you find that um, the Bible gives great um, his, his, historical dating on this. It was the 27th day of the second month of the 601st year of Noah. Mm. So doing the math, it's one year and 17 days that they were in lockdown or in quarantine in the ark. Mm, wow. That's pretty amazing to think being on that for one, one year. 
So Noah was faithful to do exactly um, what God said. How did Noah know when to leave the ark? I mean, he's been locked in there by an angel, um, shut the door. How did he know when to get off the ark? Morgan, mm. tell us about that. Look, the simple answer is that he waited for God to tell him. And, and with that, you know, the, the ark, it came to rest on Ararat. The water subsided and after two and a half months, Noah, he sends forth a raven. And as the raven returns, he waits a week. Then he sends a dove. And then from there, this dove returns with an olive leaf. He waits another seven days and then he releases the dove again and it doesn't return. That's an indicator now. Noah sees that the, the ground is dry. After this, then Noah is waiting for another you know, two months and then he knows that the outside ground is dry. So in, in a nutshell, he doesn't leave the ark until God says so. So he waited a long time, even though he knew outside was dry. There's a spiritual application there, Gail. Mm. What can we learn from Noah's waiting? Mm. Well, as uh, the psalmist writes uh, in Psalm um, 27:14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Noah really is a wonderful example of trusting and, and waiting upon the Lord for him to, for the right timing. And I think for us too, we can learn lessons to wait upon the Lord. His timing is always perfect. We just need to trust him. Mm. He showed another example of faith too when he actually left the ark. Mm. Tell us that story. Yeah, in, in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20, it says, And Noah built an, an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And here his first act was to worship, to worship God and, and to, to recall that covenant uh, that God had made with him as, as a fulfillment of life and the preservation of, of life as well. And so here it demonstrates that he is very grateful for God and very grateful that God would preserve his life and the life of his family. And so here, Noah's first full day of life in this new world, if you will, was, was to worship God. And, and that's, that's a really uh, incredible thing. Yeah, so Gail, um, man's, sorry, I'll, I'll throw the question back to you, Morgan. Mm. Also, too, they had to change the way they lived and their diet changed. What, mm. was, what was the story there? That was yeah, quite we, interesting. We go back to, to Genesis chapter to 1 and, and I'll read verses 29 and 30. And, and here it says, And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree which is for fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And here now there's a change. And it's a change now to, I guess, introduce meat, provided, though, there was no blood. So there's this change from uh, a plant-based, if you will, to now an introduction of meat minus the, uh, the blood. Mm, thank you. And look, we also had a link to the Sabbath. Just very quickly, the Sabbath was a link to... Well, to, to, to the promise of the rainbow, because, mm. yes, just as um, the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant to Israel and, to spir and we are spiritual Israel today. So the Sabbath, uh, which was from creation, is also a sign. And that is for everyone everywhere. So the rainbow everyone is for everyone everywhere. everywhere yep. And so is the Well, thank Sabbath. you for that, for that discussion. The words of Jesus, but as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be, are so important for us today. 
we have sufficient information from the Bible to see that the same conditions in Noah's day are present in our world today. God preserved the life of Noah, his family and all the animals in the ark while the tempest raged outside. We too can trust that in these last days before Jesus returns, when the tempest also rages, God will preserve the lives of those that love him and are obedient to his requirements. We invite you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website. Email us if you wish and join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.